I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is yet another edition of East Coast Bias right here on the Ringer Gambling Show. And of course, for our friends over at FanDuel TV, the triple threat, John Stremski, Raheem Palmer, Joe House, ready to rock, lot to digest, lot to chew on here as we close in on the end of June. Before you know it, it's going to be July, and then you're going to start setting the calendar and getting your agendas ready for training camp and division winners and over-unders and all the wonderful football nuggets that come our way. But we are not there quite yet. We're about to have the NBA draft and NBA free agency really take shape over these next couple weeks. But House, we get the proceedings started a little early with your buddy, with your pal, Bradley Beal, getting traded a year too late. I mean, I don't know what took the Wizards so long to finally go and get that deal done. They clearly don't get much in return. But you, as a resident Wizard fan, I will kind of cede the floor. Raheem will do the same. And we are curious to hear your thoughts for what your reaction might have been when the Bradley Beal trade uh, with Phoenix went down. Well, it was absolutely inevitable. It was a must-have. The Wizards signaled signaled to the market that Beal was going to be on the trading block when they fired Tommy Shepard. That was the, hey, NBA, we're changing course. And then when they brought in Michael Winger and they brought in uh, Will Dawkins, they brought in Travis Schlank, that really confirmed the direction of the franchise because those guys have all had hands in rebuilds and retools on the fly. You said the, the Wizards were a year too late. I would argue they were two years too late. That contract will go down as one of the worst in modern NBA history 
and that will always be a blemish on the Ted Leonsis ownership and, and their stewardship of the franchise. But we don't really need to rehash all the reasons why it was terrible and the awful goals that that dumb franchise seemed to have had, which was let's just scratch our way into the first round of the playoffs so we can catch two home playoff games and get some free cash out of it. It was a, a bum game plan and, and a bum approach. And Tommy Shepard was the fall guy. But now the Wizards are in position to do exactly what they should do, which is rebuild or retool. It'll be interesting to see what direction, because they still have a couple of assets that are interesting in, in Christoph Porzingis, who had w- possibly his best career here last year, uh, and, and also Kyle Kuzma. Those are both sign and trade possibilities for restructuring um, the Wizards situation, but the Wizards are not going to be impactful in the East. I'm much more interested, fellas, in talking about the West because this Phoenix situation feels like to me, as as sharp guys, Dream and, and, and JJ, we have some opportunities that are going to be in front of us with Phoenix. You know, part of the talk show circuit yesterday it featured your your you know the the punditry out there so oh my top five title contenders and everybody had phoenix in their top five in some way shape or form let's look for some opportunities to maybe make a little money around this public sentiment dream what do you think yeah i I totally agree when you look at this phoenix suns team i mean they're going to be top heavy the biggest thing that you're seeing right now is that with this second second apron apron and this new cba the Suns are going to have a, a, a major problem building depth around the big three. Now, you look at the big three as a whole, you have two of the guys who can't stay healthy. Kevin Durant hasn't played 70 games since 2018, 2019, and that's the only time he's done it. I mean, he's played 35, 55, and 47 games the last three seasons. You look at Bradley Bill. He really can't stay healthy. I asked on Twitter the other day, who would you rather have, Bradley Bill or Kyrie Irving? People said Bradley Bill, but Bradley Bill has been on the court less than Kyrie Irving. That's how troubling this team is. And then I got to go back to the Wizards. This is why you don't give somebody like Bradley Bill a no trade clause. They got Chris Paul, Landry, Sam Shamit, and multiple second round picks. So that tells you the return that the Wizards got. It just was nothing. So you can't give a guy a a, a no-trade clause. You'll probably never see another no-trade clause in the NBA ever again. But I want to fade this Suns roster. They're plus 650 to win the NBA title. I'm not buying it. Me personally, I I think you look at the rest of the West, it is pretty weak. But they aren't winning a title with this team at all. I'm glad you mentioned the odds there, Raheem. They are plus 650 to win next year's NBA title. They are plus 320, the second favorite in the Western Conference behind the defending champion, Denver Nuggets, who are plus 230 at the moment. And what I think we're seeing, guys, in the league now, and it's a change that has kind of happened, I think, somewhat organically over the last four to five years, give or take, is the de-emphasis of the quote-unquote super team, Raheem. You know, like, I think this is a little different you know, from a standpoint of, all right, Phoenix has the homegrown guy in Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, they go and give up all the assets to go and get Kevin Durant. I got no issue with that. I understand what they're doing there. But now they go and they bring in Bradley Beal. And as we know, Bradley Beal is making big money. 
Look at the last couple of champions. You gotta have those role players. You gotta have somewhat of a well-rounded roster. Even the Warriors two years ago, you think about Andrew Wiggins and what he provided. You think about Jordan Poole and what he provided. Here's my question. Where can Phoenix go and get those pieces around the edges that can go and help those three guys? Listen, Booker and Durant, they played some fabulous basketball in the postseason. So I want to acknowledge that. I mean, the Denver Nuggets, they're tough as series at any of the games and any of the series they played in this postseason was against Phoenix, where Phoenix got Herculean efforts from both Booker and Durant to have it at 2-2. And then, of course, Denver kind of took it from there. Raheem, where can they go and add to this roster knowing, hey, you got three monster contracts in Durant and Booker and Beal that are going to be on the books? Well, they have one move, and that's to trade DeAndre Ayton. And I, if they don't trade him, I mean, they're stuck. So they're going to eventually trade him for a couple of pieces, but we'll see what those pieces are. And then, like I said before, they're limited by the second April in the new CBA. So they're going to have to make that trade ASAP because when that new CBA kicks in, they're not going to have a ton of flexibility and they're basically going to be hard capped. The other thing that they're limited by, fellas, is, is the one ball theorem. Remember, there's only one basketball to go around. Like the usage situation in, in in Phoenix is going to be fascinating to watch. Bradley Beal has only been, uh, you know, a high efficiency kind of guy when he when he's touching the ball and and uh, you know, thirty percent of the time, his uh, best scoring years a handful of years ago were came by way of being a guy that touched the ball, you know, um, and 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 took up all all of the the shot. So it's going to be very interesting. The one thing that I am waiting patiently for, it's one of the ways I intend to take advantage of this Phoenix um, overhype uh, in, in the market is division odds, because anything that, that te- will tend to bolster Sacramento's price um, to me is going to be a, a good bet. And I like the idea of looking at that, the division that you know Sacramento won last year going away. It wasn't really competitive. I don't see the Clippers being a threat to win the division. I think there'll be over uh, interest in in um, Phoenix. So that that Sacramento division bet is something I'm looking forward to. But Western Conference wise, I I ask I'll ask you, Dream, plus two thirty for Denver to me feels like a bargain. Better than two to one odds for Denver. Now, there are pieces that are going to get shuffled a little bit. They have to figure out a way to be able to afford to bring back Bruce Brown, um, among other things. But uh, I don't know, better than two to one to win the Western Conference. Is that price going to get better or worse as, as the summer plays out? What do you think, Dream? I'm going to assume that it's going to get better as the summer plays out, just because I think other teams are going to make some moves. And then I think it might even get better during the season. I mean, when you look at the fact that the Denver Nuggets, they just won a championship last year. Do you really expect them to go balls to the wall next year in the regular season? So I think you can kind of hold off on that number. I mean, you're basically just doubling your your, your wager. So I don't want to grab it at, at plus two to one, plus 230 or so. So I'd wait on that and try to look for a longer shot. I'm with Raheem there, House, because unless you tell me Denver is galvanized by winning a championship and they say, oh, we're going to show you, we're going to be better Therefore, a regular season is going to be better. Then I think that's the logic to go and grab two to one 
basically banking on the fact that they're going to have the best record in the NBA and they're going to go and win 60 games and whatever the case may be. And I guess in your theory and in your case, the idea that Jokic plays as much basketball as he does compared to a lot of these other star players with load management and time off and maintenance days are far apart and a far bigger trend for their vernacular. You know, that's your theory there. But is everything all right for the Nuggets? Like, that's the thing. Like, you're a championship team. Are you treating the regular season the same way? I, I would argue with Raheem's point, I think you could get a little bit of a better number. But I think the bigger point here is that we're out on Phoenix. And you've seen a lot of Bradley Beal. Ultimately, gut feel. Does the trio of Durant, Booker, Beal win a title? I would put my money on no. no. I would put my money on no. No. Yeah. No ch- JJ, you said we're seeing super teams being de-emphasized. Now, the one thing I want to say about this super team is that it, does, it doesn't make sense. It's not balanced. When you look at some of the other super teams, LeBron James, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, they had two perimeter players and then a big. You look at the Lakers, they have LeBron James and they have a big in Anthony Davis. This team is not balanced. It's just three perimeter guys. And you look at the fact that they're going to have to de- they're going to have to trade De- DeAndre Ayton. They're going to have to get rid of him. They got Landon. That's your best big. So I think it's really problematic in that regard. So, and then they don't even have a point guard. Like, I know Bradley Bill and I know Devin Booker are solid playmakers, but who's going to distribute the ball and get them in good spots? And one of the things that I found interesting is that you look at BPM. Chris Paul has a better BPM than Bradley Bill. He's a guy who probably has more impact than people realize even at his old age in terms of just getting guys into the right spot. So there's only one ball. There's diminishing returns. I I just don't see how the Suns, their offense is as good as people think it is. And we all know the defense is going to be bad. Boys, when we come back, two veterans, two future Hall of Famers, as far as I'm concerned, I think you're going to be a part of the free agent festivities. In fact, I don't think. I know they're going to be a part of the free agent festivities. And are we talking about a return for Draymond Green? Or is a little vacation with LeBron James maybe telling for what his future might be over the next few weeks? We'll get to Draymond, we'll get to Chris Paul, and how the rest of this summer is going to line up. That's coming up next here on East Coast Bias. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So boys, I've never gone on a full-fledged European vacation. I've been to London, but I really need to get on that. I need to do Italy. I need to do France. I need to, to see the world, as they say. Well, House, Draymond Green, who is going to be a free agent, 
he decides to opt out of his contract. He now is spending a lot of time with LeBron James. They're drinking vino. They're smoking stogies. They're loving life. Are we reading into this? Is this a whole lot to do about nothing? Are you looking at Draymond Green as a guy that maybe has his foot out the door, Joe House, with the Warriors? JJ, first of all, we should all be so lucky to enjoy the finer things in life the way that LeBron and Draymond, two two great pals, having a wonderful summer tour together. I mean, we should all be so lucky. Um, but I'm not prepared to to go anything beyond two buddies just having their their best lives, living their best lives as the summer kicks off. Um, I think if you really press me, and, and I was able to wager on this, that the Golden State Warriors are going to run it back one more year. I think Draymond's going to come back. I think they're going to figure out. They're going to step up and pay him. They're going to they're going to do something with Clay. Maybe figure out a way to extend and make a, a contract a little tiny bit more affordable. They're going to trade Jordan Poole. They're probably going to have to trade Kaminga to make somebody be interested and willing to take Jordan Poole and then reassemble around those three guys. And this will be the last sort of run with, with those guys. But I think they're going to try one more time. If I had to lean, I'd say 55 45. Draymond and Clay both back. Some new parts for Golden State. They're going to try and run it back one more time. And honestly, it comes down to what Steph wants, I think. And I think what Steph wants is one more try with his fellas. You know, the funny thing for me is that when did Draymond Green become LeBron's Charles Oakley? Like, this is the oddest thing that I've ever seen. Out of nowhere, Raheem. In fact, you would have thought, based upon all the years they played in the NBA Finals against one another, that maybe there'd be a little bad blood and be a little hostility. But I guess, you know, Draymond Green and LeBron James now, for him, they're singing Kumbaya, baby. What can I say? Yeah, it's the strangest thing. And I, I know he signed with Clutch and he's trying to get his money. I think that's a big factor. Are the Warriors going to give him that long-term deal? Because I think this is pretty much Draymond Green's last big contract in the NBA. So it's going to be up to what Mike Dunleavy decides to do with this franchise. And I don't really know what to expect there. I think the one thing that you have with Bob Myers resigning is that Bob Myers was really close to the core. He was close to Draymond Green. He was close to Steph Curry. He was close to Klay Thompson. When you bring somebody in, the whole philosophy changes. I mean, we all know what happens when one boss hires you and then they bring a new new set of bosses in. So I don't really know what they expect at this point. I do I do kind of lean towards what House, what House is saying in terms of the Golden State Warriors looking to just run this back another time, but we don't really know at this point. Listen, I think he ends up back with the Warriors. I think Steph Curry to House's point is going to want him back. And Dunleavy even made the comments, I think it was like 24 hours ago, look, Steve wants him back. We want him back. I think the Warriors will do everything in their power to keep Draymond Green. Is it a question of Draymond Green wanting maybe a change of scenery and maybe wanting to do something else? I don't think so. I think he ends up back with the Warriors. But Raheem, if he doesn't, Lakers, is that where he's going? Gut feel? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the Lakers are plus 500 to get Draymond Green. 
I don't know if I see it happening just because I don't know if the Lakers are going to be able to pay him. I think the Warriors, I mean, they're, they pretty much, they can they can pay him more than anybody. So I just don't think he's going to get, be able to get that long-term contract with the Lakers. The one thing I found interesting is that Mike Dunleavy said they weren't going to trade Jordan Poole. So it, it seems like one of those guys have to go. And then the one thing that we saw last year from the, the, the Golden State Warriors is that they played two bigs. And I think that impacted their offense at times. I don't know if you're going to be able to play Looney and Draymond at the same time. So I think they're going to have to make some moves if they want to go back to the to the finals at some point. I mean, I admire Dunleavy, you know, going to the going Googling GM 101. Don't compromise the value of a guy that you absolutely positively must trade by saying that you're going to trade his so congratulations saying that they're not going to trade Jordan Poole. Let's bet on that. What are the odds <laughs> that Jordan Poole, we can't get, let's, let's ask FanDuel if they'll, they'll write a prop for us. What team will Jordan Poole play for next year? I mean, you know, the the I would set Golden State at, at plus 10,000 because he ain't going back there. It ain't going to work. It, it, it really comes down to what happens with Draymond. One of those two will not be with the Warriors next year. I agree with that proposition for sure. House, the Warriors at the moment, 13 to 1 to win next year's NBA title. A lot of questions, trying to figure out Draymond Green, trying to figure out what the rest of the roster is going to look like. Is that a number that's at the moment enticing to you, or is it just to wait and see? It's crazy to me. I, I, I still can't get over the Miami number. The, the reason it's crazy is because Miami's still sitting there at 18 to 1, and Miami has tremendous uh, opportunity in front of it. And I know who Miami is. I don't know who the hell Golden State is. Golden State is the team that was lucky to beat Sacramento in, in, in the first round. And, and really, you know, a uh, little bit of, of uh, injury luck with the Aaron Fox, and they have a particular advantage. With Sabonis, you know, they, they really, Draymond really just, just Draymond might be Sabonis' daddy. It just might be that way. But, you know, and then, and then they just went out, you know, without much of a fight against the Lakers. Um, I'm not prepared to do anything on, on Golden State. I don't want any, any futures associated with Golden State, especially with Miami sitting out there at that great price, JJ. Well, listen, we're on that Miami price. So we already bet it. We already love it. I, I can't get enough. Raheem, I know you're out on the, you were out on the Warriors last year. So I almost feel like another year of Golden State. Uh, I feel like it's going to be very tough for you to get suckered back in with this Warrior core, unless there are some massive changes that come down the pike. Is that reasonable? Yeah, I, I just don't see it at all. I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I didn't see it the, the year they won the championship. And I still think Boston was the better team. They just didn't know how to close. So... I'm out on the Warriors. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, I totally get it. I totally understand it. But when a team led by Steph Curry is double digits to go and win an NBA title, I at least have to put it on your radar to see where we stand. And it seems like, once again, a little bit of a united front. Okay, Raheem. Chris Paul. He's not going to be back in Phoenix. Does he end up with his buddy LeBron? Does he end up with the Clippers? Does he come back to the Clippers? Do you see a situation where he ends up in Boston, he still can play at high how uh, how high a level, debatable. How much can you get out of him at this stage in his career with injuries and whatnot? That's also debatable. But on a winning team, he makes sense. 
as we try to read the Chris Paul market, what's the gut feel at the moment? Okay, I personally would love to see him with the Milwaukee Bucks or the Boston Celtics. I think he can help both of those teams out. But at the end of the day, his family lives in Los Angeles. So there's two teams that he's likely going to be with, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. I think he can help both of those teams out. Obviously, if he goes to the Los Angeles Clippers, him and Russell Westbrook will be splitting time, which would be really, really interesting. It'll give them those two pure point guards that they've never really had. And, and Russell Westbrook played really well for the Clippers last year. I think having those two point guards, it, it would really help the Clippers get some easy shots, but they're an older team. And then obviously with the Lakers, it'll give them yet another playmaker. So I think those are the two teams you could look for Chris Paul to go to. So the thing that I would say is why would he choose an experiment over a known quantity, right? Why does he want to go in and jump into the chemistry experiment, the ongoing chemistry disaster that is the LA Clippers? Like, how could he sit here this summer and say, I'm looking at the playoffs next year. I'm, I'm looking into my crystal ball at April 2024, 2024. Who are my teammates going to be? It, what, what version of Kawhi Leonard am I going to have? What version of Paul George am I going to have? Is it just going to be me and Russie? Me and Brody out there trying to carry this team with the, all, all these spare parts? Um, that, so that, I think, to, to, to me, if he ends up in L.A., the Lakers are a much, 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 much better situation. Obviously, there's injury risk associated with AD, and you're, you're saying, okay, LeBron's one year older, but, I, I mean, LeBron's a one-of-one. One. He's proved it to us. Uh, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt that he will show up and be ready. And I think that they will manage him over the course of this season. This season, they ought to have the benefit of a core identity that allows them to not have to like just drill um, AD and LeBron for the minutes because of all of the roller coaster ride the Lakers were on last year just to get to the damn play in. They should be a team with an identity that comes out. And, you know, all you got to do is stay a little bit above 500. You're going to catch a reasonable seed. You ought to be able to avoid the play-in. And that's all those guys really, really need to do. The thing that that I'm wondering about, I wonder aloud, why not Miami? Why isn't Miami a destination for Chris Paul? I think that would be a tremendous fit. I think, you know, that he would be surrounded by guys who have rings, guys who know how to win a proven situation, a coach he trusts, and plus it's Miami. Now, I don't want to put him all the way away from his family um, in, in, in that manner, but, you know, it wasn't like, I, I guess Phoenix is reasonably close to to L.A., so yeah, it wasn't that big a Yeah, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Come on, House, yeah. I made that flight. That's a hop, yeah. skip, and a jump. I, it's listen, true. I, I think everything you said about Miami makes perfect sense, right? Because they are a team that has the culture, they have the identity, they know how to manage guys from a standpoint of, hey, we've had veterans come in here. Look at what they were doing last year in the last two years with Kyle Lowry, for that matter. Chris Paul has, listen, pedigree. He's a winner, aside from a championship, of course. But, like, he makes teammates better. So you would think he'd come in and go and make teammates better in South Florida. But, Raheem, I just get the sense East Coast is out. Miami is out. He wants to be on that West Coast, man. So I, I think if you're handicapping, where is he playing next year? Lakers or Clippers? And the late, great David Stern didn't want Chris Paul going to the Los Angeles Lakers a long, long time ago. Better late than never. I, I, I say he ends up with the Lakers. 
One thing I will say is that the Athletics Law Murray, who covers the Clippers, said Kawhi Leonard has a better relationship with Chris Paul than he does any other Clipper. So I think that could have some impact on this. If Kawhi Leonard and Chris Paul are great friends, then Kawhi typically gets what he wants when it comes to the Clippers. So we'll see what happens. Is he going to play? Is Kawhi going to play basketball? You know, I love Kawhi. (laughs) I love his game. I I love them in San Antonio. I love them in Toronto. It's frustrating. You know, that his career arc narrative, I don't want to get too into the weeds here because we could spend a whole lot of time on this. He is going to go down, though, as talented as he is. And he's a future Hall of Famer and, he, you know, has an all-time NBA career going to win a finals MVP in two different places. Like, not a whole lot of guys have done that. But House, I almost feel like, Raheem, it's one of those careers where it's like, because of the injuries and because of the start and stop and what happened in San Antonio, now what's happening with the Clippers, there's a whole lot of what if with Kawhi Leonard's career, boys. Really is. It's just the injuries. That's all. I mean, he left San Antonio because he ended up on the wrong page with their medical staff. And and he didn't feel like he got a good diagnosis on whatever his issue was. And he had, you know, rival people in his ear, rival medical professionals in his ear saying that, you know, they were pushing him um, to return and he, he wasn't ready. I mean, it, it literally is the thing that led him to Toronto and he was formidable enough health-wise to get all the way through those finals. But I think, you know, he hasn't really been great physically since those finals. Now that's a trade that I think he would make 10 times out of 10. He would say, I'm going to go to another team. I'm going to deliver a title to that franchise. I'm going to be the MVP of those finals. And then I'm going to go live where I want to live. And that's what he's done, but he can't really play. He doesn't play. He he has an enormous contract, and he gives us glimpses of what the version of of him used to be, and it's incredible, and I love to see it. I mean, we got two games out of him uh, in in, in that series against the Suns. It's like, God damn, I love Kawhi Leonard, and then it's over. So what are you going to do? The franchise is completely hamstrung by that situation, and it's not like Paul George gives you, uh, you know, a confident. Well, this is the rock that we can build around because he can't stay healthy either, as evidenced by this most recent playoffs. The Clippers are in a in an untenable, impossible situation because you cannot, cannot, cannot trust anything about what's going to happen with them next April. You tell me what that roster will look like and who's ready to play next April. If you could do that, we'll quit this thing. We'll all move to to Vegas and have a nice life together. I love that synopsis, by the way. A nice life together in (laughs) Vegas. House, gambling, a little blackjack in the morning. Hit the golf course. Golf course. Go to dinner. Go play some more craps in blackjack and then take it from there. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. All right, we come back, boys. The NBA draft is coming up on Thursday. And I have to admit, uh, it's weird being a long-suffering Nick fan and finding myself on the outside looking in when it comes to the NBA draft and what is going to transpire come Thursday. Can we find some value? We know Wemby's going one. It's the worst-kept secret in the league. After that, we'll weigh in. That's coming up. So Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we'll have the NBA draft. Uh, House, you've been covering and following the NBA for a long period of time. Um, is this in the top five of the least, uh, you know, I should say the most anticlimactic 
obvious no-brainer number one choices here with Wemby going one to the Spurs. Like, this is kind of the pick everybody thought was going to go down for like the last two or three years at this rate. So I'm just trying to think of anything that might rival. Obviously, LeBron in 2003 comes to mind. Tim Duncan, number one, he comes to mind. But, you know, aside from that, dude, it's kind of one of the obvious no-brainers, right? Yeah, of course. And, and you know, all the drama is is behind the, the Wemby pick. Like, the drama in the NBA is which teams coming into this season were going to put themselves in the best position to take a run at Wemby. The gosh darn effing Washington Wizards were not part of that mix, even though they should have been. But another, um, I'm feeling calm, cool, and collected. It's it's fine. So Wemby goes number one. The real drama and intrigue in this draft is what comes behind that. And there are so many very interesting storylines around the teams that are immediately behind the number one overall pick. And, you know, it, it, it's what will Charlotte do? What will Portland do? Both of those franchises are, are kind of in transition moments, potentially. And are we going to see an active trade market between, you know, we're taping this in our usual Tuesday, the show on FanDuel TV up Wednesday. Let's just see how this stuff um, plays out. The only thing that's really interesting, and I, I give shout out to uh, Brandon Anderson, to Matt Moore, the Action Network. Uh, Brandon made a really interesting case for betting against Wemby for Rookie of the Year and betting on Scoot Henderson. You can get Scoot Henderson right now for for Rookie of the Year at like plus 600, I think. And you have to remember this upcoming season will be the very first time that there is a minimum games played threshold. So uh, the, the, you have to play a minimum of 65 games to be eligible to, uh, you know, win, win uh, one of these postseason awards. He has a, he has in his history because he's a giant man and he moves beautifully but that means that there are some some injuries along along the way. So it's a bet that, you know, there will be something that keeps him out for some little limited period of time. And then Scoot, everybody feels pretty, pretty comfortable with in terms of him making immediate impact, him getting the touches, the thresholds for rookie of the year are, you know, a point total. You got to get around 16 points a game, something or other. And then one of the other categories, really. Um, and it doesn't matter how bad the team is um, to win Rookie of the Year. So it's a pretty good argument. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of considering that market as it relates to Wemby, uh, Dream. What do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. When you look at the history of big men, they tend not to be healthy. And then you look at the fact that the Spurs, they're not trying to win anything. And he might not have the volume of touches that you would expect from a Rookie of the Year. So I can understand why... Brandon Anderson would make that bet. You look at the fact that that line has actually climbed down. School Henderson is actually a plus 500, and you mm. can get the feel for rookie of the year at plus 140. So I'm not mad at that one at all. I think the interesting thing going into this draft is that you have to look at the fact that a lot of teams want to trade up for School Henderson. And you're looking at the Portland Trailblazers, they're sitting third. If School Henderson is gone, at the number two pick, then things could go haywire in terms of what's going down with Damian Lillard because obviously Damian Lillard, he wants them to trade that number three pick. And nobody's trading up for Brandon Miller at all. Everybody wants to trade up for Scoot Henderson. You're looking at the New Orleans Pelicans. There's rumors of them possibly trading Zion Williamson 
for the number two pick. So we're going to see what happens with that. We gave you guys Scoot Henderson to go number two at pretty much even money last week. It's now up to minus 260. That's a beautiful bet right there, Raheem. And that's one that I am glad that I fired on because it seemed obvious and it seemed rational and it's something you mentioned last week. It was one of those, all right, let's circle this house. Let's get this in. And once again, East Coast bias sometimes can move the markets, whether it's intentional or unintentional. We love moving the markets. Guys, I got one for you. I got one. That's it. I, I, I don't have a great feel for this NBA draft, but you guys know I'm a big college basketball guy. And there are certain guys to me that kind of fit the mold and the model of what the NBA is looking for at this stage. And I like this guy in college. I, he made me some money. I lost some money on him. Grady Dick is going to end up being a top 10 pick because they love shooting. They can't get enough of it, guys. And he's more athletic than people think. And he's rising up draft boards. FanDuel House has Grady Dick to go plus 300 in the top 10. It's plus money. So I'm not giving you one where you got to lay serious juice on it. So I think there are teams in that back half of the top 10 that are going to say, wow, catch and shoot. Monster, monster, monster college career. Grady Dick all over it. JJ, you know, I hate to go against the family. But I'm concerned about it. And the reason I'm concerned now that the team that seems like it might be most inclined to do that would be Utah. Hey, doesn't he seem like a Utah? Like, doesn't that have Utah for Jazz, a lot Danny of reasons. pick? Well, listen, <laughs> a lot of reasons. But doesn't that have like Danny Ainge pick written all over it? Yes, but there there are um, some late movements of, of, of guys in this thing. Even our, our beloved uh, uh, Kevin O'Connor has Grady Dick outside of, of the top 10 at the moment. And the reason for that is because Kobe Bufkin, the sophomore from Michigan, um, is getting a workout buzz and, and, and loving him jumping up. And then Taylor Hendricks from uh, UCF is, is also kind of moved up the draft board and is pushing down our guy, Dr- uh, Grady Dick. Derek Lively, the second, also, you know, the freshman from Duke, is, is getting you know, some buzz as, as this thing pushes up. So I, I understand why that number is, is plus 300 for, for Grady Dick, but there, I think there has been some late movement in terms of um, guys that are pushing their way up towards the top 10 that might put, put, push Mr. Dick out of the top 10, JJ. Well, we shall see house. Listen, that's the only one that really came to mind to me. I wanted to get, take a stab at a plus money pick for the NBA draft. And that's one now I can root for. Uh, and hope that I cash a plus 300 ticket. Raheem, you fired in on Scoot the other day. Is there, is there anything else you're eyeing up, or are you just kind of sitting tight and waiting now the next, like, 48 hours are going to play out? I think there's one that I, I kind of want to take a shot on, and it, it's you can get the first three draft picks in order. Victor Wimbanyana, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Miller. You can get that at minus 195. If you want to get frisky and, you know, just – Hope that Brandon Miller falls out. You can replace Brandon Miller with Iman Thompson at plus 2,000, or you can even replace him with Cam Whitmore at plus 3,500. If you just want to take a shot on something, I think the first two picks are probably sealed, Wimba and Scoop back to back, but there's a chance that Brandon Miller maybe could slip. So maybe, maybe you want to take a shot on something like that. So, how do you have anything else for the draft? Or, well, I, I, (laughs) 
<laughs> the only thing that I have is what I want to happen, which is Cam Whitmore to land with the Washington Wizards. But there's no. So you're going to bet? You're going to bet with your heart here at this point, or no? Oh, I mean, at this stage, of course. Why? Why okay. wouldn't I? What else do I have to bet on when it comes to the Wizards? It wouldn't be a giant bet, but he's there are no odds for him to fall to eight. That's the problem. He's 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 uh, all the odds are him going in the top seven. But I just am in love with that kid. Six six two thirty five. Um, there is some indication that his workouts haven't been like stellar. I don't care. I watched him play basketball at Villanova. He's an absolute monster. And that's what I want coming in to the league. I want a guy with incredible ceiling in terms of a physical presence, a guy that's just no nonsense. Whitmore is my guy. No chance he falls to eight. Just to, just to, just to correct you on something. You can find Whitmore to fall to the eighth pick at plus 1600 on FanDuel right now. If you go to FanDuel.com, you go to NBA Draft, they actually, they allow you to bet on, yeah, on every top 10 draft pick. So you can find who's going to come at number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then obviously there's over-under. So check that out on FanDuel Sportsbook. That's great. Thank you, Drake. There's a lot to digest from last weekend out at the L.A. Country Club. PGA players couldn't stand the L.A. Country Club. Wyndham Clark has one hell of a weekend and a whole lot of what could have been for Rory McIlroy, for Ricky Fowler. Uh, my boy Xander Shoffley went down the toilet, but we had a couple of top fives. We were able to cash, and we might have a play for this weekend's Travelers. All right, the boys coming right back. House, I know you at the LA Country Club. I know you got into it in full detail on Fairway Rolling. Um, quickly, do you look at this weekend more about Wyndham Clark winning the Open, or is it more about the missed opportunity for Ricky Fowler, who was searching for that first elusive major and failed miserably on Sunday, or Rory, who's there? He couldn't get it on the green from 120 out with the wedge. Ends up killing him, killing him, killing him. And it's another example of Rory being good, but not good enough. What is it? What is the lasting legacy, you think, of this weekend at the U.S. Open? So I think that Wyndham Clark is a deserving champion. I'm ready to give him his bouquet. That dude deserves the flowers because he played the most fearless golf. He was up to the challenge in terms of, you know, the resiliency, the the intestinal fortitude, the guts that it took, the drive that he had on 12, where he took the ball way up over the trees and brought it back down to give himself the opportunity for an easier shot in. And most importantly, the 14th hole on Sunday was the, 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 the whole tournament came down to that. You just mentioned Rory's wedge that found its way into uh, the grass face of the bunker. He got a drop out of that. Like it's a just miracle amazing. Drop. It's, miracle yeah, I mean, drop. come on. If you and I are playing for, for 20 bucks, it's it's like, we're not giving each other uh, a drop out of that situation, but that's a whole nother uh, b- ball of wax. that we can tackle in another situation, another setting. Um, my man, Wyndham Clark just went out and took the golf tournament uh, and, and and hung in there. He bogeyed 15, he bogeyed 16, but he needed to make par on 17 and 18, and that's what he did. So he won the golf tournament, uh, and 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 you know just just kudos to him. I'm 
I don't really feel like it's a glass half empty result for Rory, notwithstanding another opportunity. Like, you know, the, the open championship last year, which was just last July and we're coming back around. Um, he had a good masters and, you know, he, he was right there to win this U S open. I just think, you know, in view of what his year has consisted of with all of the, 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 the drama and the noise around the rivalry with the live tour and Rory being the de facto commissioner of the PGA tour. It just has taken a physical and mental toll on him. So him being, you know, finishing the top five of these majors, when you look back at the careers of Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas, there are a, a long list of instances where both of them didn't win. You know, they, they both have a record number of second places and third places and fifth places. So Rory adding to that, he's still relatively young. He's still like in his mid-ish 30s. You, you could still win majors at his at his uh, stage of career. I think he's going to win the Open Championship. He's the odds-on favorite to win the Open Championship. I think he's, you can get him right now at like plus 850. Um, he's my pick to win the, the, the Open Championship. So I don't really glass half empty the the Rory performance. I think it kind of surprised him to be honest that Interesting. he okay. arrived at this golf course and found that it really suited his eye and his game, JJ. That 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 more than anything because he came off of the Canadian Open, he was around the leaderboard, you know, he's right there, had the chance um he was top top 3 in Canada going into Sunday, top 3 or 4 and then, you know, kind of petered out, didn't really uh, put push the pedal down. I think it's just been kind of an exhausting run, but I think he arrived in LA is like, Hey, I kind of like this place. This kind of works for me. And he got around and he was right there with the opportunity to win the entire round on Sunday. So I'm going to glass half full for Rory JJ. Well, and we'll see if he can win a major that's been elusive to him talking about nine years now, for goodness sakes, and the open championship, his last chance to do it. In 2023, how's quickly travelers big pot this weekend? A lot of the big dogs playing. Uh, Chef was six to one. Cantlay, the second favorite at 10 to one, plays that course well. Shoffley, 14 to one. What do you think about Hovland at 20 to one? That to me is a play I have eyed up. Uh, Victor Hovland at 20 to one. How do we feel about that? Yeah, so L.A. clearly did not really suit his eye, and yet he still finished inside the top 20 um, at, at the uh, L.A. Country Club. And, you know, this uh, TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut, is an entirely radically different animal. This is all about positioning and shot making and having short irons into greens. Victor Hovland is a very good, you know, based on on just your pure ball-striking metrics, Always good. I prefer him at a top 10 bet as opposed to winning outright. Uh, I'm absolutely positively, and I'm, we just have to keep giving it out. You play Scotty Scheffler to finish in the top five until he Did stops the finishing. US Open house. It's been, <laughs> it's been a cash cow, man. That's how yeah. I made money on this golf. Not yes. with the outrights, but I had Scheffler. I had Cam Smith top five, and I'm like, all right, I ended up a winner here. There you go. And we talked that through here on East Coast Bias. Some of the finishing position plays um, I feel more comfortable with. Patrick Cantlay is, is a very curious case when it comes to this venue. He has five top 15s at this place and no top 10s. So he finishes between 10th and 15th 
every time he plays. Now, his metrics at this place are very good, and he has decent metrics on Pete Dye courses in general. I think I prefer Cantlay as a top 10 play. Scheffler at top five, Cantlay at top 10, and then I want to give you one, a name that, that that might not you know jump off into the sporting public's consciousness as an obvious play, Russell Henley to top 10. To, to top 20. Russell Henley just finished inside the top 15 at the U.S. Open. In five of his last six starts, he's finished tied for 13th or better. He had uh, uh, an extraordinary ball striking performance throughout the U.S. Open. He gained over seven shots against the field in, in, in approach. He likes this place. Four out of five cuts made. He has uh, 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 two a tie for six and two tie for 19s in recent history. And he is 10th. If you look at strokes gained at this venue, he's in the top 10 uh, of that. So Russell Henley as a top 20 play, you know, you have to lay a tiny bit of juice around that, but let's go ahead and, 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 and grab an opportunity to grab a guy who's on the right side of moving upwards at a venue that he likes. We'll come back quickly. Our boy Raheem might've made a play. That might have some serious value. Serious value in the second half of this baseball season. Wrap up East Coast Bias right after this. So before we say goodbye, Raheem, you gave out the Cincinnati Reds last week to win the National League Central. That number has plummeted since you've given out those odds. That's got to feel good. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when you look at the fact that they are they're top of first place in the NL Central right now, they won like nine, ten in a row. They're in a good position. And, I mean, that rookie is, I mean, he's absolutely electrifying. Did you see Taylor him Cruz? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Did you see him beat out that ball to first base? Like, I, I've never seen anything like that ever in my life. That was just absolutely incredible. So, I feel like we're in good position with that future. Hopefully, we'll have some others. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, crazy looking at some of these futures. And I think there's value in the American League Central, value in the National League Central. St. Louis Cardinals, the pick I gave out last week, the odds actually I think are the same or they've gotten worse because of the emergence of Cincinnati. But remember we've said this, the Brewers are not winning that division and somebody is there and can go and take it. Maybe it's Raheem's Cincinnati Reds. Maybe it's my St. Louis Cardinals. For house, Raheem, JJ signing off. Good job by the Wargon Warrior. We'll be back same time, same place next week, setting a stage for NBA free agency. Boys are out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-IN-INDIANA. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelpLineMA or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.